December is joy month. We're walking through the fruit of the spirit from Galatians chapter 5 and this month is devoted to joy. Yes, that's good. Joy is a good thing. Um, but we're going to be tweaking because we, we actually want joy in the spirit. We want the kind of joy that God has to offer, which can sometimes have a different flavor than well, whatever you can pick up at Walmart for cheap, where they give you those three-cent rollbacks or whatever it is. So if you were with us last week, the message in a nutshell was about actually finding joy in Jesus alone. And for us as the people of God, those who are disciples and worshipers of Jesus, wanting to be intentional that we are enjoying Jesus for who he is first and best. Because we can't lose him. And he is the best thing that will ever happen to us. But it is so easy to squirrel. It's just so easy in this life where everything's happening so fast. And there's so many entertaining squirrel. Oh, something about being distracted. Anyhow, I'm trying to make a point here. Uh, you and I both know that most of the fight is just keeping our eyes on Christ. And nothing fits together when we're not doing that. Well, today we're going to, uh, go, you're going to go on a journey with me. Uh, the message today is called, It's More Blessed to Give Than to Receive. And I want to play around with the word happiness a little bit. I said last week, and if this is helpful to you, happiness depends on what happens, but joy depends on Jesus. However, that's a little bit too simplistic because when Jesus came, sorry, I'm playing with my mic a little bit here. When Jesus came, he didn't just give us that simple line. Happiness depends on what happens. Uh, joy depends on me. So he wrecks the alliteration because he's saying it. He doesn't just say that. He actually wants to turn our idea of happiness on its head. He wants to change what circumstances we think are good circumstances to be in on its head. So today we're going to, I think, it's been messing me up. I hope you get messed up too in the good way. Is we're going to do some work about changing what we think it means to be happy. So that by the time we're done, instead of talking about happiness, you're going to be talking about suida. Sweet, which is kind of cool because it sounds like sweet. So sweet, it's like sweet, but with a at the end. Is that? No, you can't even look me in the eye anymore, Tony. You can't even look me in the eye. What have I done? What have I done? Not so much happiness, sweet. You know, you all know that sweeta is going to be the memorable part of the message. So, but when you hear saying that, then you'll think. This is about learning to be happy about what God is doing more than about what I'm getting. Cool so far? All right. Can I pray? Father God, would you just pour out your spirit to do his, his good work of applying the word of God to our hearts in an eternal way, of breaking down our mind strongholds that protect us from the truth and guard our unbelief from transformation. And I pray, Lord, that the end result of this would be a happier people in Jesus. 
and me first or last, whichever one gets me the biggest blessing in this prayer. But may the end result be a happier people in Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, it's Christmas time, and so everybody has a different experience of Christmas. Sometimes they're really great. Sometimes you're expecting a break, and you're just looking forward to like one day with your phone turned off or something like that. Um, Some Christmases can be very tough. It's a time of remembering loss or noticing people are missing. And um, you have permission to go through Christmas with Jesus the way he leads you through Christmas. Okay. You have permission to follow Christ on your journey through Christmas. That is the only way to do it. But for lots of us, there is quite a bit of anticipation about getting some stuff you might want. And in our family um, situation with the five kids, the the process of like trying to figure out what people want without having a direct conversation, like just send us the link from Amazon type conversation, is just way too much work for the busyness of life right now. And so there is so much more. Like when I was a kid, I had no idea what I was ever going to get. I was an 80s kid. The idea, you know, you might circle some things in some comic books and maybe present them, but you never got what you circled because you got whatever was at the store. And and that was it. And there was, for some reason, maybe we're buying American book, comic books and Canadian stores just never lined up, so whatever. But I was pretty happy uh, for for whatever the, the three days until it broke it was. So... Anyhow, so just as like a dad wanting to tone down the um, the feasting like piranhas attitude that can come with Christmas sometimes, you know, like all these gift cards show up and it's like uh, the leg of a cow has gone into an Amazon river and it's just like the bubbling of the piranhas trying to devour this thing as quickly as possible. Have I, the, the image is not working? It's okay, sorry. I, I don't have a better one, so <laughs> let's just move on. I hear myself... I hear myself saying, hey, don't, let's not forget, it's more blessed to give than to receive, okay? I hear myself thinking this, I hear myself saying this. Hey, everybody, let's not forget, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give and to receive. And just so you understand what's going on in my head, that word for blessed here, it's the Greek word makarioi, I think, or makarios, in the singular. And it means blessed or happy. It means like good circumstances. So when you're reading the um, the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's messing up people's heads because you're saying like, you're happy when you're poor in spirit, which isn't usually when you be happy. You're blessed, you're happy when you mourn, which isn't usually like he's messing people's brains up. He's trying to redefine happiness for people living in a broken world following Jesus. That's the same word. And it's the same person who originally said this. Hey, you're more happy to give than receive. Now, this is a little bit Sunday school. If I just left it here, we'd all say, yes, it is, it is. Oh, yes. Oh, pious pastor. Oh, I agree with you completely. Oh, most holy reverend one. I also am a holy reverend one, and I agree with you 100% that it is more blessed to float around in one of those long robes at the collar. Just more blessed to give than to receive. But in our heart of hearts knowing No, it's not. (laughs) Maybe only if what you're receiving stinks. It's always better to get. Especially when it's good stuff. 
<laughs> right? Yes. That was one of those trap ones. Don't agree out loud. You're going to... I know, you're fine. But you know what I'm talking about? This is like... This is just the, the dad correcting line. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But is it? Now, it was a bit of a trap for me because then I went to go and look up the context and realize that this passage is in Scripture in one of the most serious chapters in the Bible. And so I've been reeling, trying to bring together this like feeling like I could just quote this like at Sunday school. Hey guys, it's more blessed to give than to receive when this is the last part of the Apostle Paul delivering his final address to the Ephesian elders. And it's his final address because he's expecting to go get arrested and tortured and eventually executed. And this is the last words he's going to say to them before he goes. Emotional weight. Boom. Drop. So I've been just trying to bring this together. This the situation that Paul's in and we'll read it. And, uh, and then... Help it inform and bring weight and transform, transformative power to this sentence that could be just nodded along to um, in agreement without really understanding why it's here in the scriptures. Cool? Should we dig in this to, into this together? All right. I have a lot of scripture here. Please bear with me. I'll do my best to manage it in a way so that people don't get lost. But these are the very words of God. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus. This is the Apostle Paul. Saw Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Miraculously and spectacularly chosen by Jesus to be a church planting Bible teacher. He's on his way to Jerusalem where all the uh, trouble's going to really, really start. So he goes to, he's at the city, Miletus. He sends message to Ephesus, which is nearby. And it says, and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God. That's changing your mind, changing your heart, turning away from a life of selfishness and turning towards God, asking for forgiveness, giving your life to him as a servant and a disciple and living with him. End of parentheses. And of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole 
counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night, or night or day, to admonish every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. And here we go. And I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, clothing. You yourselves know that these Hands, these hands minister to my own necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Surprise ending or surprise context to a Sunday school saying. But I want to dig into this. I've got five points. I, I, I did my best to try to make this make sense, but I've got five points of trying to really understand what God is doing in this passage for us and to help us become a people more and more that really actually do believe it's more blessed to give than to receive and actually just live in that happiness of giving like we ought to in a world where we can drown in what we receive really easily. So... Oh, wait, I missed a line. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them, and there was much weeping on part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all, because of the word he had spoken to them, that he would not, they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to his ship. Number one, working hard to give a blessing. One of the things that makes the difference between being a child and an adult is the satisfaction of being able to do good to others and take care of others as the fruit of your hard labor. When you're a kid, you've got no cash flow. You're kind of just living from birthday money to Christmas money and back again. True. And it's all about, like, the this. And then the asking. But as you get older, the joy is making your own payday so that you can be somebody who contributes to the well-being of others this is just part of the joy of becoming mature and this is part of the happiness and the blessedness of being able to take care of others to provide for others to help rescue others as a servant of the lord and to do good for others and this is just part of the happiness of it it, it is it feels great to be able to give gifts um, the Balfour household, like many households, felt the effects of inflation quite a bit in the last year or two, and margins became smaller than they were before. Um, so we felt that, and I, I didn't ask permission to tell this story, but I'm just going to do it. Okay, so... <laughs> 
One of the things is, as Jack and I prayed and discussed about this is, you know, I think I made the comment along the lines of like, you're just not going to be able to like buy people so many presents. And that was just too much for you. Like, that was a non-negotiable. <laughs> so she's like, I prayed about it. I feel like the Lord said I should get a job. And, and one kind of showed up on your lap, like the Lord often does for you. And I'm trying not to be resentful. Um, but, and she's got this job and we, she likes it and she likes her coworkers and I like her coworkers, but it just makes me smile that, and, and it's a blessing to get out of the house and our kids are getting older and all those things that many families feel, um, at this stage of our life. But it just makes me smile that the thing that moved us from like single income into the other one is that for Jackie, it was like the idea of not being able to buy presents for people was not a life worth living. True? <laughs> exactly. It's just so funny. So I stepped on that relational landmine and now have access to lots of um, wonderful sleep supplements, which is a good thing. <laughs> but I just love that heart that's in you, is that there is so much joy in making someone's life better by being able to give them something that they wouldn't have without God working through you. And in God's kingdom, the price for being able to do that, he wants to be work. He actually wants us to work to be able to provide blessings and increased happiness for other people. In Paul's case, he says, hey, I did not come as a money grubber. And I did not come eyeballing your treasure. And even Paul had a uh, skills in making tents. And so he was bivocational, they call it. He was tent making and he was ministering. And he often had different reasons for doing this. He wasn't against receiving um, support. And the whole book of Philippians is a thank you letter and missionary support update after receiving uh, support from a church. But in this case, it was part of him displaying how to be a Christian to the Ephesian elders that he worked hard to have something to give to other people so that he could say to them, I'm living out Jesus's command and his way of looking at the world that it's a happier thing to give than to receive. So I work. I took care of myself in some ways. I took care of others. And it's more fun to help the weak Anyways, it's more satisfying. It's more um, enriching. So this is just a part of life. And now this is financial as well, but most blessings that God wants to give through us, he wants us to work to be better at making a bigger blessing. Uh, the blessing of preaching, for instance, doesn't just happen. I mean, sometimes I start sermon prep late Saturday night, and it turns out okay, but this is learning some biblical languages, regular practice, learning from mistakes, constant reading um, about the Bible, constant studying, constant worldview analysis. Um, this, this didn't just happen overnight. When someone's actually able to fix your vehicle, that does not happen by accident. And you can trust me because I've tried to figure things out sometimes. Normal is making it worse, right? 
So if you're going to get blessed by having your vehicle fixed, it looked easy for them, but it's the result of a lot of hard work of training and skills and owning the right equipment, paying their bills so that their place they can have a shop for you to drive to. Um, we actually are meant to be saying yes to the hard work of learning to be a better blessing. And that's just part of it. That's part of why it is happier to give than to receive. Because if you put in the work with Jesus and said yes to the process of maturing, you've probably grown closer to Christ and become more of the person God made you to be originally in order to be the blessing he wants you to be. So, and there, I'm going to say a few more other things. Part of this as well is just learning that something about life is when you when you start to want something, it is good to ask yourself, "Hey, am I putting in the work to give this well as well or first? Um, anybody here want to be honored? Yeah? How, how is putting in the work of giving honor? Anybody here want someone to be really generous to them? Should I get awkward? Anybody hoping that one of those cards you get handed to you doesn't just have a family photo but has something else in there as well that might get you some free donuts somewhere in town? Anybody? Somebody? Here comes the trap. How is your working at being generous, generous going? Yeah, It's part of the blessing. It's fun to get stuff. And it can make you happy to get stuff. But we really only grow to be closer and more like Jesus by giving stuff. And maybe that's too harsh. Something's probably, one of the, the like Bible people is thinking of uh, exceptions to what I just said right now. So don't shoot me. I probably overspoke it there. But there is something going on there. Saints of Christ, the life God has for you and your process of becoming who God made you to be and doing the work God wants you to do will involve hard work. It's meant to come through trying a lot. Sometimes it's an easy slam dunk, but that might just be because what God wants to do is more important than me having not been working in the first place. But don't make it normal. Don't make it normal. Don't make it normal. Thought number two. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm talking about this because that way we're really imitating God who gave his own blood. When Paul's talking to the elders of the church, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. We sang about it. I think Tony was giving thanks to Jesus about it. There, after... The cross, there is no greater gift than the Son of God being 
sent to die for sinners. It's the greatest gift we'll ever give. All goodness that we'll ever have or keep comes through the grace that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. All the patience of God that we've ever used. That time, if you got saved later in life, that time you had in your rebellion, in your walking away from God, in your I'll do my things my own way and you don't even exist anyways. And who am I talking to? You know, in that time of rebellion, that patience Jesus bought on the cross so that you could... Get worked on and get softer and, and repent and come. It's all, all the goodness. Everything you'll ever receive is bought for you by the greatest gift ever, which is the blood of God shed on the cross. And so when Paul is saying to them, yeah, it's better, it's more blessed to give than receive, he is doing that because the most blessed person, Jesus Christ, is the biggest giver. That is a huge part of his blessing. When you read in Revelations what's going on in heaven right now that the Son of God is being praised by the angels and the living creatures and they're blessing him and they're saying you're holy and you're wonderful. It's because he gave so huge like no one else can ever give. And when I get there, no matter how much I've given... And how happy I am in giving or blessed. It's not like the angels are going to stop and be like, Whoa, that guy's also blessed. Look, Rob's here. (laughs) I hope somebody feels like that. I know Jesus will feel like that. But it's not like the worshipers are going to be like, Whoa, look at that. That Rob, wow, he gave a lot. You know, he, uh, he went last with the turkey bacon. On December 16th. Other people got two slices. He only got one. Maybe it was because he didn't trust the idea of turkey bacon in general and wanted to make sure everybody else had a piece and survived it before he ate some. But we're going to assume the best of his motives. What a giver. What a blessing. No, Jesus, because he was the ultimate, valuable son of God, deserving praise and glory, but humbled himself to give his blood to save his enemies. He is the most blessed, most happy man forever. That is his reward for his generosity. So yeah, if you ever think I'm going to try to be the happiest person around, you've lost. You've already lost. You've already lost. Jesus is the most blessed and most happy being forever. That's part of his reward for his suffering. But I think in the mind of Paul and the mind of God, he's trying to get us to remember that when we believe, it is more happy to give than to receive. We're being like our father who happily gave his son that we might become his sons. We're being more like Jesus who happily gave his blood so that he could be the most happy receiver (laughs) of his sinning now saints. We're like the spirit of joy who gives himself wholeheartedly to those who believe and comes and makes us his home in life. generously taking care of our inner man every day until we see the Christ. We're becoming like him. And that's a blessed thing. And that's a happy thing. Thought number three. Rejecting becoming a werewolf. 
Did you know you could become a werewolf? That word were is, uh, I think, middle. No, old English. It means like man. So that just means wolf man. Is that helpful? Okay, good. Um, So he's talking to the Ephesian elders. He knows he's going to leave. Anytime there's a major leader transition, there's an opportunity for people to jockey for position. Yes, no, maybe so. Who's going to be in the cabinet? Who's not going to be in the cabinet? Who's going to be the minister of transportation? Who's going to be the minister of finance? Whenever there's a government shift, people have an opportunity to jockey. And so Paul is, I think this is what he's talking about here. When I leave and I'm no longer your apostolic oversight because I'm going to be dead, um, fierce wolves are going to arise among you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves, this is crazy. He's looking at them. Some of you guys are going to arise and say things to draw disciples after yourselves. So learn to believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because what he's talking to these elders about, who ought to be the best of us in some sense at least, or at least have at least one trick as a pony that they can do as a blessing for the church. He's looking them in the heart and saying, if you don't really understand that it is more blessed as a Christian leader to give your life for the flock than to think about what you can get for them, you are going to turn into a werewolf and devour your brothers and sisters. Because you're obsessed with thinking about what you can get from them instead of how Jesus can help you give to them. These are not pleasant words. Wolves devouring flocks is ugly business. It's horrifying to watch. It's deadly and devouring. But I love the, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, you're horrible, kind of (laughs) seriousness about this passage. Like, Paul, Paul probably would have had a diagnosis if he lived in our time. Um, Just like saying these things to people's faces. But what I, I'm going to probably say this twice just so I make sure I've said it well. He's looking at this thing about the human heart. It is so easy for us to quietly and subtly just make it a little bit more about me. It's not just in church. In work, it could be, there's just little things you could do just to make it a little bit more about just, I I, I could just do this and it would be just the way I want it to be. In my marriage, if my wife would just, just that thing, that two things, maybe 12 things, if she could just do the 32 things that come to mind without me even trying. Maybe a hundred and three. While we're at it, let's just do the job right, shall we? And get it all out there on the table so we can look at the table of things I wish you were different for, for 
No particular reason. I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> you know. Any, I think anybody who works with people could tell you that ingratitude is the first and most deadly sign that your marriage is probably on the outs. That focusing on what's missing and what you're not getting. That, that failure to believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive turns us into animals that live for the next carnal desire and we don't totally care who needs to be devoured in order to feel good pornography And there are different cultural reasons why this is particularly difficult for us. We live in a time that sociologist Philip Reef calls the age of psychological man. Where a time, back maybe in the medieval times where Christianity was quite dominant in Europe, um, it was very hard not to live feeling like your reason for living was to please your God and to be right with him. But with the rise of atheism and the rejection of Christianity, um, the, the age of psychology has arisen. And there's lots of good stuff there, but as like a way of doing life, the idea of serving a God has been replaced with the idea of living for, um, what's the right word here? Well-being. And it's hard, if you're living for your own well-being, to not end up believing that receiving is better than giving. And it's, I'm talking about this, but this is one of these dynamics of life that like, it's hard to even notice in your own mind and heart when you're living like this. It's like there were two fish going for a swim one day, and one fish said, hey, this water sure is wet. And the other fish said, what's water? See, the joke is that because a fish spends all its life in water, it doesn't even know what it is. It spends all its life there, so it doesn't, you start talking about water. It doesn't, because it's in the water all the time, as fish do. Unless they're flying fish, because there's always an exception. It is... Just how we live to evaluate everything by whether or not it is increasing my well-being, contributing to my mental health and wellness, um, helping me accomplish my goals, fulfilling my desires. This is just the water we live in. And so we read a story about the Apostle Paul giving this final lecture to these people that he's never going to see again. And being the encourager, right? Well, we'll say more. 
maybe I should just say this. Like, I think for me personally, and maybe many of us, we, we underestimate how much just daily damage can come from selfishness. Is that fair? Like, we underestimate it. We just underestimate how homes can be just so much less fun to live in just because of minor, regular selfishness and not living to, to give. Food for thought. Number four, giving is better than receiving, living a life for declaring Bible truth. I'll just read these again. The Apostle Paul, he's trying to help these elders do a good job. When he's gone, he's trying to prepare them to not be destroyed by these wolves and not become them themselves. He's trying to teach them to have a giving heart and to believe that it's more happy and more blessed than give, to give than to receive. But he also keeps going on about the Bible and the truth of God's word a lot. Now behold, I know that none of you among whom uh, I've gone and proclaimed the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. This is a bit of a weird saying. I'm innocent of your blood. What? Has anybody ever said that recently? (laughs) I'm innocent of your blood. (laughs) You know, it would be really funny, teachers, when you finish a semester with your kids, say that to them. I have taught you everything you need to know about calculus. I'm innocent of your blood if you ever crash your rocket ship you're trying to sail into outer space. And what this kind of comes from is from God's dealings with prophets in the Old Testament where he would say to them, I am going to give you messages of warning and exhortation to my people. And if you go and you speak to them, whether they listen or not, you're okay because you've done your job. But if you don't talk to them and bad things happen to them, you will be also held guilty because you were meant to be the stop sign at the end of the road of Old Tom Road. When it gets icy. And without, if you don't see that stop sign and you don't hit the brakes, you are ditch food. And I love Manitoba ditches because it is like, um, it's, it's the example of in for a penny, in for a pound. Like if you touch those ditches in the winter, they will swallow you whole and you'll get your own Jonah experience. You can spend three days in the belly of the whale. No one will ever know you're in there if there's a blizzard, you know. Keep your cell phones fully charged in Manitoba in the winter. He also says, I commend to you, you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are testified. And I think this is what's going on with here. Um, there, and I think I'm just trying to pull it together with this warning about the elders and this call to generosity and working with your own hand. There is a mindset that thinks one of the best gifts I can give people around me is the honest truth of God's word, no matter what. Because it's more blessed to give them something amazing. There's an alternate way of doing it that I am very concerned about what I get from people when I'm handling God's word and I want to receive praise and adoration and acceptance and a sense of importance. And so I'm going to twist and I'm going to chop, and I'm going to cut, and I'm going to hide, and I'm going to blah, 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 and I'm going to try to create a message that gets me what I want. Because I'm interested in receiving something from you. 
two different complete attitudes towards the word of God. I owe you a debt of telling you the truth of what God has said. And the most loving thing I can do is help you understand it. One way, not a werewolf or werewolves. I am really concerned about what I get from you in response to what I say up here. And I'll twist things to try to get that. Totally different way of living. And I think what's going on here is Paul is trying to say, and it all starts with this simple idea of are you going to live to be happy in giving good gifts to others or are you going to live Scrooge counting what you're getting? No. <laughs> Variety is the spice of life. So today you get just a shake. <laughs> it's very funny. I had a conversation with the arm waving thing. and Should I do it? Don't do it? I, I never planned to do it. But the reality is I don't care about it. It's a part of my reputation, but not my identity that I'm an arm waver. So enjoy it or don't enjoy it to your peril because I don't care. But let's bring us to the point number five. And, you know, there can be something about Christmas. Like, why can't this just be a fun message? Jesus loves you. Remote-controlled cars are amazing. Hope somebody buys you a switch. You know, like, why can't it just be fun? Because we're trying to give you a life you love. Without regret. I'm trying to get you to hear the word of God so that maybe through tears and maybe with some loss, you love your life with Jesus. And don't spend 20 years and go, I've wasted the last 20 years on me. And now I'm 63 and I don't have money. And I've got to try to, now I'm just going to go online trying to yell at people to try to make up for lost time, which is not a great strategy. Half of the people on there are just AI bots anyway. So they, I was talking with Chatbot GPT, and Chatbot is very convinced that as an AI, it can't get saved. Um, so don't waste your time anyways. I tried. I tried. But the final passage, number five, humbly running with Jesus, we get to hear the heart of a man who does live like it's more blessed to give himself away than to receive. And he says this, But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. Wow. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I have been thinking about um, the end a lot these days. And it's not like some people who really want to be able to say that within a few days they called when the nukes were going to drop or when the next thing was going to happen. Like I, I, I can't even remember what I'm supposed to make for dinner, let alone plan out the apocalypse for people. But 
I am thinking a lot about the reality that someday we are going to sit before a throne of judgment and justice where there's no manipulation and there's no dishonesty and there's no anything but just the truth. And the Lord Jesus Christ has told us his plan is to reward us in ways we can't even begin to imagine if we walk with him and serve him faithfully. And that this time in our life is so short. So short. They're so short. You get, you, you get old faster every year. Is that true, anybody? Does anybody remember when, when summer holidays lasted for 20 years? Yes. You don't even remember where you used to go to school by August 15th when you are a kid. And now it was Christmas yesterday. And so here's Paul, and I think he gets this because he's just, he's going to, he, he's on the roller coaster of his death. He's gone, he's click, 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 he's all the way to the top. He's just about to go over, and once he goes over, he's completely out of control. He's going to go to Jerusalem, and then to this city, and that city, and to Rome, and then decapitated. And, and he's locked in. And so at this point, he says, I can't stay alive. I can't, I can't keep my life. I can't keep my money. I can't keep my house. I can't keep my friends. I can't keep my church. I can't keep anything. I, I know. I can't keep anything. All I have is waiting for the day when I see the face of the one who loves me and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the happiness of your master. And so in this moment, he's saying, I do everything I can to not count my life as precious or any of any value to myself as long as I can keep walking with the master. And so I tell the truth about the Bible and I reject making this about me and I want to imitate the one who spilled his blood and I'm happy to work hard in order to just have something to give to somebody weaker than me. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. So this Christmas, if you have Jesus, he can help you give somebody something amazing. No matter what the bank account's doing, even, even if your health is bad, or you're an introvert. Anybody ever feel like introverts like start you off bad in serving Jesus? Like it's harder to do the kingdom. Yeah, I got some head nod. Like he's like, yeah, I would love to be a great Christian, but I'm introverted. <laughs> so, if you've got any books you want me to read, Jesus, I, I'm right there for you. I could read all the books you want. <laughs> I think instead we should think if Jesus thinks it's more blessed to give than to receive and he wants to bless me for being a blessing, Jesus, what do you want to give me that I can give? 
You could give a prayer, you could give a word, you could give a card, you could give attention, you could give appreciation, you could give an encouragement, you could give a gift card, you could give knocking on someone's door and saying hello, you can give singing a song, you can give, if you have Jesus, you can give, and it's way better than counting the Lego pieces, though that will be fun, on (laughs) Boxing Day. And that's all I've got to say. Father God, would you make us uh, generosity addicts in the healthy way, which addiction isn't. But Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us when we're feeling missed out, when the FOMO hits, when we're feeling ignored, when we feel like we don't have it like somebody else has it. When we feel like things aren't where they ought to be, would you help us to fight with wanting to give? Would you help us to believe that you can make anybody rich in a moment with your manna spreading power? And would you lead us in this blessed and happy life of loving people with gift giving of every kind? Lord, would you deliver us from this this time of being expert in self-concern? And would you help us to really, in healthy ways and without engaging in sin or supporting sin, become really life-giving people for your glory and for our great joy and happiness. In Jesus' name, amen.